You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and this is part two of my conversation recorded at the LA Podcast Festival earlier this year with the absolutely marvellous Mr. Jimmy Pardo. Here's Jimmy. There's two main angles of things I want to talk about. One of them is uh, the panel show series that you did that I saw on YouTube right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know about that. And I got chatting to someone at the podcast festival and I said I was interviewing you and they said, oh, my God, have you seen right now? It's oh, so good. seriously? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's nice to those people. And it, uh, it is really going to appeal to uh, the people that listen to this show as is well. really? Yes. Describe what the show is. I saw an episode. I saw the Kumail episode this morning. Ah. But wh- just describe it for us. Uh, well, and, I, and how, how long ago was this? Oh, when did we do right now? God, it might be two years ago now. It might be two years ago. Okay, so to, to just we, describe this show. Well, it, it was a guy. I got it's, so, it's such a great idea. I really enjoy it. It's not it. mine. Is it not? No, believe it or not. Uh, in fact, I'm going to give you a full credit. A guy named Boris Hamilton. Uh, it was his idea. His premise was uh, somebody asked him to do to host a comedy show. Like, hey, do you want to host Tuesday night? Blah blah blah. And he's like, well, I don't have any jokes. Hey, maybe if I uh, had three people on stage writing my jokes for me, and. He claims it didn't work for him. So he said to me, hey, do you want to do – they called it the writer's room. He yeah. goes, do you want to host the writer's room? And I was like, oh, that, that thing that you do? And he goes, yeah. I go, yeah. I, you know, I've already said I'm, I don't know how to write a joke. So sure, sure. I said, I love that idea. And and I love hosting. I love it. I love hosting a TV show or a, a live show in any capacity. So when he said, you want to host it – and this was just doing a live show at the UCB Theater here, the Upper Exeter Brigade Theater here in Los Angeles uh, – where I came out to do a monologue. Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, then please welcome a stand-up. A stand-up comes out. They would do a set. Now, while that comedian is doing a set, three writers are on stage. So you're seeing them do it. It's Nothing's pre-planned. They're writing, I don't want to say roast-style jokes, because that's not fair to, to anybody involved. But some of them could be roast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're basically uh, trying to slam the comic based on his appearance or his, his, appearance his or her act. appearance or act or whatever. Yeah. And uh, but with again with that wink, where nothing, nobody's really getting hit hard. Sure. Um, and so the the three of them would write the joke on comment cards. I would say, how about another big hand for Jerry Seinfeld? Sure, Jerry never does. You know. uh, <laughs> another hand for Jerry Seinfeld, and then Jerry would walk off, and then I would go through these index cards. And then just read the index cards, read the jokes that these three writers wrote. It's, it's so funny. I and mean, it's perfect for you. It's perfect for me. Yeah. So then we uh, – and thank you. So we did a couple times live and then Matt Belknap, who's my uh, – the co-host on my podcast, we ended up kind of restructuring it a little bit. And then we we agreed the three of us, even though Boris – it was really his baby. Boris was like, hey, if we could ever sell this, you know, the three of us will do it. So we, we did a pilot for Comedy Central and it was called Jimmy Pardo Needs Jokes. And, you know, with any sort of t- thing, honestly, what we delivered, I don't think worked for TV. It was it was a great show. And because of the restrictions of commercial breaks and stuff like that, I don't think we found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we didn't get picked up. So then Chris uh, Hardwick's Nerdist channel uh, loved it uh, on YouTube. And I said, uh, well, why don't we do that for – why don't we do about six episodes of that or however we – seven, however we did. And Chris was like, yeah, let's do it. So we ended up doing these short little – Mini versions of sixteen-minute episodes, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, about sixteen. Uh, yeah, minutes. I think so. Yeah, uh, and where it's one comic, I come out. Hey, everybody, blah, 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 please welcome Kamal Nanjiani. And then while Kamal's up there, there's three writers writing my jokes, and then I he walks off, <laughs> and you give the winning writer. No, oh, sorry, go on. You, yeah, you finish oh, you're the right. I give the winning writer fifty bucks. Fifty, uh, yeah, crisp fifty-dollar bill in the form of four tens and two fives. <laughs> That's right. God, that made me laugh. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and it was we called it right now for the for the internet because of legal reasons. Uh, but I still maintain that's a great show and it's a great uh, vehicle for what I do because I get to – in that case, for me, because I'm so reactionary yes. with my comedy, I'm able to to react to their jokes, yes. good or bad. Yep. 
react to the comedian. Uh-huh. Like everything really plays into my yes, strengths. It's just it throws everything to you and, and, and in a very open way. So it's not like you're on stage doing someone else's jokes that have been written for you because we completely see that see process it. visibly and you get to slam. It's like a, like a comic doing a joke competition where the audience have done a, like it's sort of the, you know, I don't know if they have that over here. It's a way of kind of padding a Well, a, I'm sure a, we do, but I... A show, so you go before the interval. You don't have intervals here, so that's probably why not. But uh, halfway through the show, the MC will go, okay, we'll have an interval now. 15 minutes, get a drink, stretch your legs, uh, complete this joke. You know, and a top, topical figure from the news uh, crossed with a vegetable, you know, it's like a vegetable because, and everyone will put a name in that, you know. Oh, really? Write a little joke in the hat. I love yeah. that idea. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and uh, it's absolutely fish in a barrel for the MC because then you can just read through, you go back and you go, here's the joke competition, you read through them, and if they're funny, you get the laugh. And if they die, you slam them. Right. You know, so it's a win. That, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what this show is. It's yes. like if it's a if it's a clunker, I can call them out on it being a clunker. And if it's great, you get a big laugh on that guy's joke. Yes. And, you, and I look over and give the little nod, like good to go. Uh, and also at the top of it, I get to riff with the three because they're they're generally either you know the professional writers or yes. comedians. Yes. And so I get to riff with them. It, it's it's a shame we didn't find it right for television. Uh, but uh, but thank you for liking it. I, I, what what are you developing with uh, with Conan's company at the moment? Can you talk about it? Or I not? can't because okay. we don't really know. We're kind of bouncing around with a bunch of different okay. ideas. We have to. There's a lot of different levels of, uh, of executives we have to go through, and sometimes we make it through three levels with an idea. Sometimes it's one. Uh, the most recent one, we're kind of we're at the finish line, but then we have to see. You know, it seems like everybody likes one idea, but now that idea needs to be fleshed out and okay. created. And the drive for you in making that stuff, in trying to create TV show formats, is is what? Is it a primarily a financial drive? Is it an ambition, kind of like career status thing? Boy, that's a great question. Uh, because you, you're someone who, I mean, we've not even talked about the podcast, Never Not Funny, which has been going since 2000 and like early. Six. Six, was it? Yeah, okay. March of 2006, yeah. And we will get we'll get onto that for a second. We'll put a pin in that. But you are like you're you're busy and happy. I am busy and happy. I agree yeah. with that. So why are you um, trying to jump through hoops for a TV person to get a TV show? There? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously the internet's the now and as well as the future, but it's still TV. And I grew up watching TV, and I grew up wanting to be on TV. Uh, not not I don't necessarily want to be famous. I I I I like. When people recognize me and I like when people tell me they're fans of mine, I mean, who the hell doesn't? But, you know, there's got to be some Americans out there with your face tattooed on them somewhere. Well, I would imagine <laughs> if there's one, they are the craziest human being in the world. <laughs> tweet, uh, tweet at Concord with your photos oh, of uh, Jimmy Potter face tattoos. On oh, my God. If somebody has that. Uh, <laughs> it's because I was chatting to Greg Barrett last night. And he's he's like, not him. It does my head in. There's people out there with pictures of my face all over their body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, freaks. And his show <laughs> lends itself to that. My freaks him out, I should say. I'm not calling them freaks. Wait, would you? Oh, it freaks him <laughs> yeah, out. They're freaks. Freaks him out, yeah, yeah. They're freaks. <laughs> we'll get onto that. You put Greg Barron's face on your body. You're nuts. <laughs> Although Greg is, uh, there may not be a nicer man in this world. He's a lovely guy. Um, so I, you know, I mean, yeah. There's still the. I still want the Jimmy Pardo show on television. I still want. Uh, I, st- I guess I just still want that because I think I. I think I, I'm an interesting personality. So if. The, if you were offered the Jimmy Pardo show on television and you knew that the – and I'm going to pull this figure out of the air. If you knew that the figures were going to be something like, what, five million? What constitutes a, what constitutes a successful Just show? Sure, I have no idea. Five, yeah, there is. Don't even five know. million okay. sounds great to so me. So here's my question. You've got the Jimmy Pardo show on TV and it's five million or you can have the Jimmy Pardo internet show and it's the runaway success and it gets 50 million. Which one do you want? Do you still want the TV one because it's TV? Boy, that's a great – boy, oh, boy. Yeah, but you know what? Because I think it speaks to that. But wait, wait. The, the internet one is a runaway success too. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not. I always joke on my pot that I'm I'm a bad businessman because I don't. I'm not financially driven. I'm not. I don't. I I want money. Obviously, I want to live comfortably. But I, I almost would. I think I take the less money, for more eyes. So I know that contradicts what you just asked me because if the internet one is a runaway success yes but the tv one is presumably going to come with billboards and buses Boy, and that image and so status no no i don't no i don't think so i don't know if i'm all about that. i would love it but i don't think that's what i don't There's think something about me. tv though isn't there is there? and that's ridiculous given that now tv is it's rats leaving a sinking ship isn't it 
I don't. I, mean, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Good. He passed the test. Give him the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, I like how you looked at the recorder as if they were inside there listening yeah, to us. I did do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, like, I talked to someone at uh, who did I talk to? Someone from a TV production company in the UK who said, oh, I really love your podcast. And I was like, oh, oh, really? And you, you work in development and a thing? This is great. Yeah. And he said, yeah, but, but it's crazy because all you guys want to come to TV and, and you want me to help you get on TV. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, we, you're doing the right thing. No one's watching TV anymore, and you're actually all like, why would you want to put it on TV? And I'm like, because I couldn't answer the question. I was like, because it's, it's TV, right? It's TV. Don't you understand that? It's, yes. we, it's what we grew up with. Now, maybe these young YouTube stars and all that, maybe they, maybe they truly don't care. These young YouTube stars. They these, are. These young people with the newfangled YouTubes. Right? Yeah. yeah the right. YouTubes. <laughs> well, like we talked about on my podcast today, there's billboards all over LA of their picture of these YouTube stars yeah. with their promoting their shows and stuff, their, their YouTube channels and their two-minute clips and to me, I, I, that just seems so not what I get the business to do. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I grew up wanting to be Johnny Carson, you know, wanting to be on TV. So that's still the dream, even though and, – and in a roundabout way, while my podcast is very, very successful and I'm grateful for it, getting on TV would get me more recognition, which would bring more people to my podcast. Yes. So that's part of it. But at the same time, I want that TV. I want it. You know, I still, I still, you know, I still want to live the dream, I guess, that I had when I was younger of hosting a talk show. And maybe not even a game shows. You know, I love game shows. I've always mm. wanted to do that. Have you I ever really done that? I should have, have lived never... in, uh, in England. I should live in London because you guys have a love of the panel comedy game show. There's not really panel shows here, are there, on TV? Well, there's, they're starting, you know, Hardwick's at now doing At Midnight, isn't he? Yeah, I saw that. Some great, that's, I mean, it's a, it's an absolutely quintessential Hardwick move, isn't it? It's a really good TV show that is actually about the internet in the way that everyone in the UK, as far as I can see, is falling over themselves to make an internet-based TV show. Well, I wonder why you guys haven't He's actually, adapted that yet. Well, I think because I'm speculating, but I think the way that he does it is that it's about the internet. And if you get – it works for you whether or not you look at the internet. Mm. And I think that's the bridge that I haven't seen anyone cross in the UK yet I when see. they make a show. It's either – it's like let's get the best bits of the internet and put them on a half-hour TV thing that you can't flick onto and you can't interact with. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like they're still trying to fit a, a thing into a – you know, it's funny because I see those uh, every now and then somebody will call it, hey, we have this UK property uh, that we want to adapt for America. Uh, would you be interested in hosting it? And then I look at it and it's basically what you just described. Yeah. And my answer always is, yes, I'm interested in hosting it. Yeah, Let's yeah, make sure. it work. Yeah. Um, so I interrupted you too, though. Did I interrupt you? Um, when I said I, w- I wish I could live in London game shows. Yes. So oh, you, yeah, so you were talking about so game shows. Yes. I've so, hosted – I had one back in 2005. No, 2003? Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm old. Uh, called National Lampoon's Funny Money on, on Game Show Network. Okay. And I've hosted minimum, minimum, one game show pilot a year for the past 20 years. And why, why, hasn't, why haven't those been picked up? Do you, get, do you ever get to find out why those haven't been picked up? Or does just, you just get a call or don't get a call? I just get the call going, yeah, they, they decided not to pick it up. Uh, and you don't get feedback on that. You don't know what it is. You don't know. You know, it's it's not right for the network at the time. It's not this. It's not that. It's a and it's you know only once have I hosted a pilot and then the show got picked up with a different host. Mm. Um, and I understood that. That I mean, it angered me and it hurt. But they went with a female and you know they wanted to go a different direction. That's fine. I get it. Uh, but I've never done a pilot where then it got picked up without me. You know, like it's always yeah. been like the whole show's just not going. Yeah. And so I don't really know the reasoning because they don't have to tell me because so. it's they're they're healing the wounds you know they're looking their wounds in the production offices uh, trying to figure out well jesus christ we gave them a great show why didn't they want it you know yeah so it's i mean that's one of the the most fascinating lessons i would say of the last 12 years of my comedy career is gradually realizing that the people who make the decisions a, aren't the people who make the decisions. They're trying to please the people who make the decisions. Right. Who are trying to please the people who make the decisions. You know? and like, right. And no single person can go, this is how you do it. Yeah. Apart from possibly Simon Cowell. And no one wants to do that. Uh, you don't want to make him happy? No. All right. 
Well, you know him better than I do. <laughs> yeah. He's got his V-neck T-shirt. He looks terrific. Yeah, he's uh, a snappy dress. I can't say it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? He's like, I was going to, it's that thing of like, if, yeah, if, you, if, you so, if you know so much, why aren't you rich? And I'm like, oh no, he's incredibly rich. He obviously oh, yeah, knows, yeah. he knows something about manipulating something. He knows something, right? He gets it on some level, but it's, he's not making work that I'm interested in. So right. it's, it's, it's still, my, my, uh, my clumsy metaphor still works. I think it does. I'm not going to. Yeah, it's uh, generous of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very gracious. I'm a good man. So let's talk about the podcast. Yes. Why now you will have um, you'll have stock answers for this because you will be. I mean, everyone will have talked to you about the podcast. Yes. For their own podcast, and yes. podcasts will eat themselves. Do you think? I th- uh... Do you think that we're all? I mean, I'm. I've been targeting American comics who also have their podcasts because those are the American comics I know in the right. UK. That makes often. sense. And also, I think there's a sort of a sense that, oh, maybe some of Jimmy's listeners will discover mine because they're podcast listeners. Well, there's like a finite amount of podcast people. Uh, well, that's, the, you know, uh, I could tell you that, if, and I mean, and this speaks to how great my fans are. I would be surprised if my episode doesn't get you the best response uh, uh, as far as new people listening to it. Okay. New, new for you. Great. Because okay. I think my because my fans follow I have, me. I have on chosen shows. Jimmy wisely as a target. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I know so, what you're up to. And you, <laughs> and you. We'll, we'll get to the fans in a second because uh, okay. there's a lot to talk about with the fans. But you, yeah. We'll, so, is podcasting? What's the? Before I can ask you what the future of podcasting is, I have to. We've got to introduce your show. Um, so the show is you and three people chatting. No, it's well, it's me and my co-host Matt, Matt Belknap. We're yep. the regulars. Okay, uh, and then the other cast members, for lack of a better way to describe it, is our video producer Elliot Hochberg. Very polite man. Uh, and then our intern, uh, our, our he's basically a paid guy, but it doesn't make a lot of money. Uh, but he takes our notes and stuff like that. Garen Cockrell. Yeah. So we're the four that are always okay. here. And then I have a guest. And the guest, uh, you know, more and more just kind of joins in the fun. Yeah. And whereas maybe before there was more of a spotlight on that guest of, you know, a Q&A sort of stuff. But now it's almost like you're doing Never Not Funny, uh, which is the name of my podcast. Uh, you're just kind of jumping into this stupid fun world that we have. And yours, as podcasts go, yours is, I mean, we're sitting effectively in a radio studio. This is... You know, I mean, this is, we've got angled mics and all the rest of it. You've been doing it long enough. You've got yeah. nice, you've got a regular setup for it. And the show itself is like a radio show. There's a lot of people involved. There's production values. Yeah, thank you. You know, there's jingles and advertising. And, you know, it's it's not just some guy recording a thing under his duvet, like, which is where I'll be doing, yeah. which is where I'll be doing my links I, later today. Is that true? Yeah, 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 often, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really good sound baffle. From I that like thing. to use the word duvet. Uh, what uh, would you call it? I, 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 you wouldn't I, have them. Well, no, we have duvets. Yeah. Wait, du- is, duvets. Wait. Wait, no, I like that you call it that. Well, that's more than one. What'd you call it? No, I said uh, no. I thought I was I was remarking on the different stress. I would call it a duvet, and you'd call it you just duvet. call it a duvet. Well, yeah, I, I do say yeah, duvet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the best bit of the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it reminds it's, me of Robert Duvet. So I think in, in my <laughs> dumb head, duvet. I have to think of Robert Duvet. Uh, sorry. So uh, wait, what? Production values. Oh, I was going to tell you this. Yeah. When we started in 2006, that's what grabbed. You know, initially. You know, there weren't a lot of podcasts in 2006, mm-hmm. and and the ones that were there were kind of tech related. There might have been some comedy ones. There was, you know, uh, Dawn and Drew were doing one. They were a team, and uh, Keith and the girl were a team on the on the, but they were East Coast driven, and there really wasn't a podcast scene here on the West Coast. And when Matt Belknap asked me to do it, I was doing a live talk show at the UCB Theater, a non televised talk show at the UCB Theater, and Matt was like, "Let's turn that into a podcast." And and I knew Ricky Gervais's podcast, of course. Um, and so I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but let's do it. And then we sat at my dining room table, and, and but I said to Matt, I go, I want to treat it like a radio show, and um, I, I, wanted, I want to treat it like it's a professional show. We, let's get good equipment. Let's do it the right way. Because that – well, there seems to me that – uh, there is a parallel there between that and you wanting to be on TV. Yes. Let's do it properly. Let's do it I want properly. to be that guy. That's exactly yeah. right. And and I grew up idolizing these guys in Chicago named uh, Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer. There's also a radio show out of Indianapolis, the, the Bob and Tom show. And there's other great ones across the country too. But those were the two that I always found like they, they – whether you like their shows or not, that's not what I'm speaking of. Uh, I do. Uh, but they're great broadcasters. And so it was like I'm going to take my knowledge of having listened to them and having been on this – on Bob and Tom, listening to Steve and Gary – 
for years and idolizing them. Being on Bob and Tom, I'm going to take that knowledge and try to do the best radio show I can under this new word of podcast. And we delivered a great sounding professional. I, 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 people tell me I'm funny, a funny show. And all of a sudden, iTunes responded to us. You know, the guy, Scott Simpson at the time was like, I don't know who the hell you are, but this is the greatest podcast. And he started featuring us. So again, we had a lot of tech nerds early on because that's who was listening to podcasts. And so, and then Jesse Thorne, who is a great guy and had a, has had a podcast longer than me, uh, but it was more NPR style driven, mm-hmm. uh, more dry interview. And he's a great interviewer uh, and a great guy. And he supported us. So he told his fans about us and then iTunes. And again, we were more tech and radio fan. And then comedy people started hearing about us because we got featured. And iTunes was really instrumental in getting us noticed. And so we went from, hey, we're around my dining room table to, hey, what's this Never Not Funny? Who's the Jimmy Parton? Not everybody loved us. Of course not. But it was like, it sounds better than any podcast. Yeah, It's funny. It's structured, even though it's a loose, stupid show. So we went from nothing to being featured on iTunes to being the number two podcast competing with The Onion. For a while, it was, it was it was great, and we didn't have a lot of numbers because nobody did. There weren't podcasts. What kind of numbers were they in the early days? You know, Do what? you have I, any idea? Five thousand people, okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't even remember because it's ten years ago now. You know, nine yes. years ago, nine and a half years ago. And you know, I always feel edgy about asking people their numbers because I don't like to say what mine are. Do you have any idea how many? You? I don't know. You don't know. I don't. I. Uh, uh, but this podcast employs four people. Well. Our intern does not get paid a lot of money. Uh, but, yes, Matt, myself, and Elliot, uh, El- you know, and, uh, we do okay. We do okay. So we do okay. <laughs> we also have a second show uh, a week that people pay to listen to. We have a paid. Oh, uh, you have a premium show. Yeah, well. we have a premium show. Okay. Uh, and the, if you're, if you, which we call the Players Club. And if you're a member of the Players Club, you get video of both shows for the week. Yep. And a second show. Okay, but if you just want to listen free, you can. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, through Earwolf is who uh, the okay. network we're with. Okay, but you know, we were we were free for two years, and then the comedy boom hadn't happened yet. The comedy podcast boom, and we went behind a paywall where the only way to get us was by paying to listen to us. And then the comedy boom happened, and we got left behind. Yeah, and so okay. then it's incredible, isn't it? This, the most exciting, one of the most exciting aspects of podcasting apart from the incredible ability to build your own tiny empire, right. is like a microscopic little, I make all the decisions, I'm the boss. I mean, that's hugely exciting to stand-ups who are used to, like it's really the only other medium in which you get to be like a stand-up. You just, yeah. I've decided this, so there and it is. And you don't even, in this case, you don't even, you don't even have to make the club owner happy. Yeah, right. You don't, yeah, even, right. You don't even have that gatekeeper. Yes. You've got nothing. So this is Jimmy Pardo. I, I mean, there's not much more to say on this. It's part two of an episode. You already know the drill. Uh, maybe you've listened to them uh, back to back, which means that you'll recognise the uh, the audio surroundings that I'm in as not having changed on account of me uh, rattling through these in one go. Remember, you can support the show by buying a T-shirt at comedianscomedian.com forward slash merch. Uh, you can then take a picture of yourself fully clothed wearing that T-shirt in the place where you listen to the show and email it to me or tweet it at comcompod. Uh, and also via comedianscomedian.com, you can make a one-off donation via PayPal or Moonclerk if you're a non-PayPal user, uh, or you can just make a one-off donation to support the show. And I really appreciate those. They really, uh, they really help me do crazy stuff like travel to America under my own steam and gate crash a festival. <laughs> More fun things like that coming up soon, I hope. Um, that's all for now. Enjoy the, 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 the dying embers, the closing moments of, uh, of my conversation with the absolutely brilliant Jimmy Pot. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. We're all just making it up. Yeah. And when you meet other podcasters, you go, oh, what do you, where do you put the, what box do you tick on the side? Oh, right, because I didn't know. I didn't know either. Like that. Yeah. It's very exciting. I remember many, many years ago, I was at a, uh, I was at a party by the, at the house of the people that uh, created Dynasty, the TV show Dynasty back in the 70s. But it was at their house. It was a party. My in-laws are friends with them. My wife is friends with these people. 
and there was a guy, he's not a comedian, and I said, you know, I forget his name now. What, he was a great guy. And I said, what do you do for a living? And he goes, he goes, you know, I was in radio for a lot of years and I got out and I'm doing a thing now called a podcast. Yeah. And I went, wait, I have a podcast. He goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> and we literally bought it. His is not a comedy podcast. Yeah. It was a, a travel one uh, based out of New Orleans uh, or New Orleans. And uh, but I remember like we both couldn't believe that we met the other guy doing a podcast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's how it was at one point. And then that boom happened. You know, the, the certainly the comedy podcast boom. And uh and, you know, we're lucky that we, you know, we have our, this loyal fan base and, and here we are. I'm talking to you about it. So your persona in the podcast is exactly the same as your persona on it's stage? It's pretty close. In fact, it's 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 really strengthened my stand-up persona. Has it really? Yeah, it really has. Oh, because it's effectively stage time. It's hours and hours and hours it of is. additional stage time. And it's time. me talking and it's me, you know, re- again, react- reacting to what other people have to say or do. and um, Playing with others in a way that you don't get to as a stand-up. Right. So now I bring I try to bring this to the stage. Like again, it was another moment of growing as a stand up of hey, you know how loose you are on the on the podcast? Let's start doing that in the club. And uh and I am loving stand up again. I mean I'm like you know, as we all do, we go through those phases where it's like, God, oh, the fuck, you know, you gotta you know, oh I gotta get out on the stage and you gotta you know, we go through those phases and it's okay. Everybody does it the real job too. People are like, I can't believe I gotta go to work today. But we feel the same way. We're not just clowns. Are you still traveling a lot as a stand-up, given that you have the podcast and you had the, the opening for Conan act when you were doing the opening for Conan bit? Still going out once a month. Once and, a month. And, and going out for you is what? Is like a weekend, Friday, like Saturday. a Thursday. Oh, Friday, Saturday. Uh, okay. Although I just did a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you're keeping your hand in. But that's, that's the best way to put it. I'm yeah. keeping my hand in because, uh, once, you know, I remember, and I don't think it's the case anymore because I think there's a lot more guys my age, you know, in their 40s, that are traveling doing stand up. But I remember when I was in my twenties, the guys that were my age seemed like dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like, God, why is that guy still doing clubs? Mm-hmm. That, but it, that's not the vibe now, at least here in the States. Uh, you know, cause we're all Todd Glass, me, Doug Benson, Greg Barron, Paul Tompkins, uh, Patton. We're all in our forties and yeah. we're all, I'd like to, I, I, I don't, I take me out of the equation. Greg proves they're the best of the best. Yeah. And we're all 40 and, we we should be the ones that are headlining the comedy clubs, and um, but I still have in my head, I don't I don't want to be the dinosaur, so I I got to stay in the clubs. I don't want to be the guy that disappears and from the clubs, even if I'm successful in other areas. Because well, hang on, let me just break this. So yeah, sorry, is, is the strata at the moment? Are there the big guys who are doing movies and don't need to tour anymore? Then beneath them, there's or beneath you know different different to them. Right, are uh, are people who are big big touring acts like Patton. You know he'll just well, go here's here's fifty gigs, bang, sold out. Or Brian know. uh Brian Regan. Or Brian Regan, is, absolutely. Is the, is the perfect or Jim Gaffigan, although Jim has a TV show now. Yes, but Brian is the is the prime example of a guy who's not on TV. Yep, but he he's fills filling. theaters. Yeah, yeah, all over the country, and he fills it because he's the best of us. Yes, and then and then there are the podcasters who are filling. Maybe not theatres, well, maybe some theatres, but they're filling them because of the exposure from their podcast yes. and the loyalty of their fan base. And then there are guys who are headlining the clubs who don't have successful podcasts. Who have to, and, and, and that... And they're still on the road grinding. And they have to prove they're funny, which is still... Yes, whereas you have a following. You have a following. Cannot wait to hear what you've got Come to out, here we go. And yeah. they come and see your stand-up show and they're like, oh, it's Jimmy, but he's really going for the jokes. Exactly. And it's... Uh, it's night and day. Like when I do a show that is like I can tell instantly it's not podcast fan heavy. And it's like, oh, I got to I got to prove myself to this audience. Yeah. I got to let them know. Well, that's I'm my great. next question then. Is it uh, is it when you're performing to a podcast audience, uh, do they just roll over and let you tickle they them? They don't necessarily. It's, no, they, it's no, not, it's they not don't. that easy. Okay. But they're supportive. Okay. They they know me well enough to know there's going to be some funny. I might meander for a minute or two. Uh, trying to find it, and usually that's entertaining in itself. I'd like to hope, but they'll stay with me. Whereas I think if I just went to, like, if you fill the room with a group of people that they've never heard of me in their life, it might take the, a little bit of time to find the footing with that crowd. And as you know, as funny as I am, and as you know, you know, the, my days of hit and miss are pretty gone. You know, they're mm. they're mostly hits uh, than misses. But I, it might it might take five minutes for to prove to this these people I'm funny, and I don't want to experience that. I don't, I don't. I don't need that at all. I don't want to have to work hard for five minutes. No, I don't. I don't. Um, yeah. 
I know you don't sit and write jokes, but the stu- do you ever write down the stuff? Yes. When you're, when you're doing, you've got the stuff, you've worked it up on stage, you write down, okay, the sweat a bit, the haircut bit, yeah, there's yeah, the yeah. bullet points. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're writing them down, are you, do you get anything out of the process of writing them down? Or is it just a case of recording it so you don't forget well, I, it? I get glee. I, I feel... Uh... I feel like I've, I've set some sort of satisfaction that I've done that I've done something like oh, you, oh good you, I, oh, that exists now that exists that's now. provable exactly. yeah <laughs> that's exactly it yes. I do that that's for me that's a big trap because I I write on stage and I write off stage and like last year I decided I'm not writing on a laptop anymore because it's a trap because you just cut and paste you convince yourself you've done some work it's not work it's, ah, do you know okay. what I mean it's, it's yeah, yeah. prose it doesn't mean anything so I'm and I'm so now it's just in a book and hopefully soon it will just not be in a book but I do find that it's it's like writing a to do list. And the first thing is write this list, and you're like, I can already cross that out. You know, I mean, yeah, that, that, it's yeah, like a satisfied yes, feeling. That's a, there what a great example, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favorite bit of your material that was given you as a tag by another comic? Oh boy! Oh man! It's a good question, right? It's a great question, <laughs> and I can't think of any at the moment. You know what's funny? I thought about this one. This was from my open mic days, where I was doing it. Remember, uh, the TV show Win, Lose, or Draw. Do you remember, do you remember that? Yes, I'm familiar. That happened yeah, over there? I don't uh, know. Yes, we did have – we had a – You know, it's basically Pictionary or whatever. And, yeah. Uh, but it, <laughs> Can you imagine the pitching meeting? It's basically Pictionary whatever. Oh, yeah, fine. We'll do that. Right, we're yeah. right, we're right on that. <laughs> uh, so I, I was doing the joke. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even remember my part of it. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was okay. And a guy named Vince Moranto, a really funny guy out of Chicago, said uh, – he goes, I love that thing. I, love, I like what you're doing with Win, Lose, or Draw. Uh, what if, what if you said it's a line? When you say it's a line, it's a stick. Blah blah blah. What instead if you said it's a line, it's a stick? Uh, it's the Battle of Gettysburg. Like go even and again. I was an open micer. Yeah. And he said if you went even bigger with it, because because mine was kind of like it made sense. Yes. It was funny, but it made sense. But if you go, you know, it's a line or it's a line. It's a stick. It's the Battle of Gettysburg. Yes. And I remember thinking. What a great idea. Yes. That's like, because again, I'm a, I'm a green comic. I'm brand new, open micer, trying to find my way. And that was one of those eye opening things of, oh, there, that, you know, I'm naturally funny. Yes. But you have to, you have to craft it. Yes. And he, that was a, a learning moment for me. So I don't know if that's the, my favorite tag of all time, but it was a great example. Someone of, else, a droplet of someone else's ink or the water, something like a bit of different color that yeah. then you go, oh, that's a new... And he had been, and he's been there. He's been in the trenches. He's a funny guy working. Um, and a I remember, funny guy working. That phraseology just sounds like dead man walking. <laughs> <laughs> he's a funny, funny guy, guy working. Funny guy working. <laughs> but the funny part is, so that was between shows on a Friday night and then I was doing the second, I was doing a guest set, uh, drop it, I don't know what you guys call him, mm. uh, on the second show as well, doing like a, a five minute set because uh, I wasn't being paid yet. And I couldn't wait to do the, my new joke, my new Battle of Gettysburg mm. punchline. Silence. And I did it, and I looked back at him, and the two, we made eye contact and just exploded with laughter on how bad it went. Oh. And he dropped to his knees. I was banging – and legitimately banging the stool. Not even not, – not, 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 no acting – <laughs> no falseness. Like literally, I could not control myself from laughing because it was it bombed that's so bad. Just perfect. And then to be able to look in their and eyes then, no, no, as that's no, happening, no, no, no. and you're in the mouth of the yeah. wolf, and they're in the wings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and again, this is 1989. This is that long ago. Uh, I wasn't paid yet, I, and, and I, I also remember that very moment of being. I like this world. I like this comedy community. This world of, you know, we're we're in this together. You know, you might be trying to get on TV. I might be trying to get on TV. You might be trying to headline. You might be uh, trying to work this club or whatever. But yet, when you're there together, the three of you are those guys, you know, in the foxhole. Yeah. And you're, and yes. you're, you're together. Yes. And I remember, you know, as a guy the who... foxhole is an excellent analogy. Yeah, thrown together. Don't, thrown together. don't even necessarily know them. At all. But they're your brothers now. But that week, they're your brothers. Yeah. And... For a guy that what you know didn't fit in in high school, like, we're all misfits, which is why we do comedy. But you know, I didn't fit in necessarily. Tried to find my way, tried to find my right click. I had a great group of friends right after high school, but it was once you know, getting into comedy that I found my people, so to speak. Mm. But I remember that was the like so much happened that night with this guy Vince Moranto. Like, I like this is it. This is where I need to be doing mm. this. And uh, so again. To overuse my phrase of long-winded, there's my long-winded answer on what my favorite tag was, even though that wasn't a tag. Um, do you think that that foxhole mentality exists within the alt-comic circuit? 
I think so in a different way. I think that uh, you know, although, and I'm not, I'm not alt in the in the. I don't think I am. I feel like I'm too mainstream. There's there's some cool clubs in London that don't book me, and I I sort of feel like it's I, probably they think I'm quite mainstream. Oh, so but our, but but we've kind of become the mainstream here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Alt sure. Has kind of become. You know, like oh, yeah, that's a whole yeah. Absolutely. Those names I've listed. There was a time we were the group at Largo. Yeah. You know, here in L.A. That you know, I've always been lucky. Me, Todd Glass. Uh, there's a couple more. We we were always able to straddle both worlds where we could do a set at Largo and then run over to the Improv and do a set. Yes. Not everybody could. Not all of those guys could. They're brilliant, but they're now the names I just spoke of. We're kind of the guys. Yeah. If you look at if you look at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana, and you look at that lineup, there's really no quote unquote mainstream. Like when people make fun of stand up comedy, yeah, none of those guys are on there. But we're the mainstream because that's who's. We're the ones. So, yeah, they're the people. We're the, the people that are, that are known. We're the majority now. Yeah. Um, so, so with so with alt with stuff like uh, like this gig uh, hot tub yeah. in, in L A with uh, Kurt Brownola and, Kurt Brownola and, and Kristen, and Kristen Schaal. I wonder if they have a similar kind of. It's almost like the foxhole idea is you know if you're working in. Uh, Christ knows, you know, the, the, the chuckle factory, right. wherever. Um, there's an us against them feeling. Mm-hmm. But I get with, I wonder if alt, alt, alt. Like, well, I you think know, really alt, weird. Alt, like, and, and Kurt and Christopher, for people that don't know them, I saw them at Edinburgh a few years ago. They had a handheld laser thermometer and they were using it to find out who had the hottest crotch in the audience. So it was hilarious. Right. It was most definitely alt. Uh-huh, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I wonder if there's an us against them mentality in that kind of world. If I, there's uh, still, we've got to get through this. Boy, boy, you know, again, I think, it, I think because I don't know the answer to that because I think we've, uh, that world's become the more popular style mm. of comedy. Mm. At least in my world, it is. You know, so I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if there's an us against them. You know, there used to certainly be the the alt scene of it's there's them, and then there's you know we're doing the bookstores and. Hey, on and- the on the subject of them, we were we we got off the point, but we were when we were talking about your podcast listeners, your fans. Yeah, something I've been really struck by at the Podfest this weekend is that I was expecting the audience to be like a regular comedy audience, mm-hmm. and they're not really. What are they? Boy, that's a great question, isn't it? Because I don't think any of them are the type that would just, for date night, go to a comedy club. No. You know what I mean? But they found podcasts and they found great podcasts, which are now making them go to the comedy club to see their favorite podcasters or see comedians they've heard on podcasts. But they may not have gone to a comedy club otherwise. So what are they? They're obviously smart. Unless yep. they like bad shows. <laughs> but right? They're obviously... Yeah. But what are they? I mean, because I'll say this. I have not... I, I honestly have not met a dumb no. podcast fan. No, no, no. Right? They're smart. They They're like computer th- games. They like... Uh, they Not all of them, but they kind of... Um, yeah, they, they... I think there's a misfitness to it. Yes. And I mean that complimentary because, as I said, I think all comedians willing, are willing misfits. Willing misfits, yes. Willing, like, we're all the... Uh, my friend Matt. Maybe they're the same personality types as us. They're just without the kind of the the, the pressure that turned. I don't mean coal into a diamond. I don't mean that. No, that no, no, ridiculous. No, no, no. But the pressure, the force that made us go out on the road instead of hanging out with our friends. Exactly. I've got to be on stage and have people listening to me. Yes, they're Whereas like they, us that don't feel that. That don't feel that need. Like, no, I'm good not doing that. I enjoy being around it. Yeah. So I think it's that. I, I think, think. Do you think, think they're happier than us? They might be. Some of them look. Of course, they're more happy than yeah. us. <laughs> happier than us. Uh, but yeah, I, I was joking because uh, last night uh, it was the Emmys here in, in the states, and so downstairs was that uh, very fancily dressed uh, uh, Emmy party, and they all uh, were—I mean, all beautiful people in yep. their gowns and their suits, and they looked beautiful. And then you go upstairs. I was like, I, I was like, it was like two different. Like down here, and then here's Misfitville up here. Yes, it was. And the funny thing is, uh, a friend of mine stayed at the hotel. Nothing to do with the podcast. Complete uh, coincidence. Bumped into oh. this morning. Uh, hello, Elise Tobin. Uh, she was uh, she's just in town with a friend, like literally on holiday. And uh, she came in and she saw the LA Podfest stuff on the plasma screens downstairs with all and of then- the people, <laughs> with all of the people in the DJs and the taxis and the dresses. She was like, "Hey, podcasting's doing pretty well, right? These guys." <laughs> No, no, they're here for the Emmys after party. Yeah. And, 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 did you you saw those people? Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. There was not an ugly human being in that party. No, they were the most beautiful looking people. Like if, if you were like if you're dropped from like you from out of town, you're just 
dropped there, you'd go, oh, Hollywood is all beautiful people. Yes, absolutely. I was like, oh, Beverly Hills, this completely this fits my right. idea. Beverly yeah. Hills, that makes sense. Then go upstairs and there's guys in rush T-shirts and flip-flops yep. uh, trying to uh, you know, say hello to me through their stammering uh, you know, uh, star-struckedness. That's a horrible sentence. Yeah, <laughs> in which you stammered yeah. out of solidarity. For them. Good man. For them. <laughs> but that, yeah, so who are they? It's a really, like, they're, 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 they're kind of super fans. And, and these aren't, I, I suppose we're also, we're not dealing with podcast listeners. We're dealing with the podcast listeners who will make a pilgrimage to go and see the live yes. podcast festival. But I'm discovering that with podcasting, and, and I'm, not, I'm not alone, you're going to hear this from everybody. If I'm in Bloomington, Indiana, like I was, it's not shocking for somebody to come up and go, I drove nine hours to get here. Yeah. I, dro- I drove five hours. This is the closest you've come to my house. So I wasn't going to miss it. So they're, uh, they they want to be a part of this world. We're in their ears. At yeah. least for, you know, at least Never Not Funny is for four to five hours a week. And so it's like we're almost part of their lives. Yeah. And That's so, like the equivalent of a, a weekday hour radio show every morning. Bang, yeah. Bang, 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 five hours. Yeah. Right. Some, some maths for you there, Jimmy. I appreciate <laughs> that. I didn't know if math was the same over there in the UK. I know you guys have a pound instead of a dollar. So it's very uh, yeah. confusing. And we just pluralize maths. We have maths. What does that mean? You, you do math. And we have maths. It's exactly the same thing. Is that though. true? Yeah, yeah. You call it maths? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it does. to be honest, coming out of your mouth just then, it did sound pretty weird. But no, <laughs> I've always found math to be the weird one. Isn't that funny? Isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I know we're wrapping up. I, I wish we had done this. And I mean, I know, I know I'm going to say this on the air. I wish we had done this interview before uh, we did my show today. I would have invited, while you were in town, I would have invited you on. Oh, thank funny. you. Thank you. Because well, you, uh, you're what we're time. looking for. You're... Funny in the bones to go back to that phrase, and so Thanks, what a joy to s- sit and talk to you. And the next time you're in the states, please alert me in advance so I could have you on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you for the benefit of the listener. I'm blushing now. Oh, and uh, and I might well, uh, I might well ask Nathan just to nibble that out. It's lovely for you to say so, but at the same time, uh, I I don't like broadcasting stuff where people praise me. <laughs> oh, well, why not? Well, no, let's get a bit LA about this. Thanks, Jimmy. You leave it. You do what you want. It's yeah, your yeah. show. Just know that I meant it sincerely. Let me let me finish by asking you this: what What does legacy mean to you in terms of comedy? What do you want to What do you want to be your legacy in comedy? You know what I would want, and it's and it's it's fairly. I think it's it's simple yet. It would mean, uh, you know, who was great, Jimmy Pardo. Like just that would be enough for me. You know, just to go old school legacy. That's like, like that's someone who grew up watching Carson. Yeah, it's that's what they would have said. You know, who's great? It's Carson. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what I want. I just want you know, you know who was always great, Jimmy. You know, like that or like what somebody told a that, kid. Go ahead. What would that fulfill in you if you got that? If you walked past a room and you overheard two comics going, you know, who's great, Jimmy Pardo. It may, I don't know. I, it, it just I, I think it means that I've done my job. It's like I've but, done. But, but, but what is it? What does it mean to you? Okay, you go, yes, I've done my job. So what? So you're allowed to what? You're allowed to relax? You're allowed to oh. stop? Okay. Well, this is, uh, now you're saying, I guess when I thought legacy, I'm, you know, I'm sec- I'm 70 years old and, uh, you know, my son tells me, hey, dad, my uh, this guy tells me that uh, you were his favorite growing up, whatever. I don't know. Just the idea of that. Like, you know, I still get a charge out of, I don't know, I'm bouncing all over the place, but I do get a charge when people say, Oh my, you know, my, you're my son's favorite comedian or you're, you know, you're my, oh, my cousin, Jimmy Pardo, you're my, you're my cousin's favorite comedian, which I, of course, because I'm insecure, you go like, oh, so you don't care for me? <laughs> I mean, it's a great t-shirt I, for the I, show next year. Right, that's right. <laughs> Your cousin's favorite comic, Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> uh, what does it do for me? It, you know, I, I, again, I guess I, it just, I guess it just satisfies knowing that I've done my job as a comedian, that I've made some impact on that person's life, that I made them laugh so much that, that I'm their, you know. Uh, I don't know. God, I'm bad at this. I'm, whenever you go deep, I struggle to have an answer. Uh, you want to ask me about the craft or anything? I seem to have an answer right away or some long, stupid answer. But I'm interested because I suppose because you have such a kind of facility with it. it you absolutely, you've got funny bones. It's second nature. You're just one of those people who in the world comes up with funny stuff. You know, like I used to, I used to worry about it a lot. I've never really written on anyone else's show. I don't really, I didn't particularly have those opportunities early days. And now I sort of, unless it was someone massive, I would kind of go, I need to spend my writing time on my own thing. Mm -hmm. 
So I suppose I had a similar kind of, I'm quite good in the moment. I'm good off the cuff. I'm sort of better when I'm, when I arrive late at a gig and I'm thrown on stage. Yes. And I don't know what I'm doing. Is there anything I'm, better than oh that? Oh my God, I'm at my best. Yes. I used to, as a, as a street performer, my favorite shows Hang were on, when. I've I, I stopped listening. I, as soon as I heard street performer, I, <laughs> I had no idea I was talking to a hobo. How dare you, sir? How no, dare ahead. you? My favorite moments were because you'd literally be holding a case and I was in a double act and once I was late and my partner, he started building the crowd and I ran in with the case and went, right, what are we doing? And it was one of the greatest shows because it was, it could not have been more on the fly. Like, what, the fly. They're already here. Wow. I love, and I, and I mean this sincerely, there's nothing for me that I love more. I don't want this to happen because it's stressful, but it's stressful up until I arrive. But if the plane is late and I have to go directly from the airport to the club in my airport fly in my plane clothes it's what i call it a snow day it's it, because you're not in any sort of stage apparel and it's like it's almost like they're not going to expect a lot from me because they know i just raced from the airplane yes and it's like you've given yourself a break you've given yourself permission haven't you it's the that's opposite it. of the producer going do a type five and don't that's do what it. you love you've given yourself permission it's, to go. it's like when the mic breaks and then it's fixed again but now it's all of you versus circumstances yes. Yes. yeah yeah it's exactly it so it's like and if you get up there it's like, and if, if, if the mc or the uh, the au pair no, not the au pair what do you call it the compare <laughs> no we call it the au pair yeah the, no the compare we call the babysitter you asshole <laughs> call it the nanny uh the compare Yep. So, but if they say he just he literally just landed, we're lucky that he did. Please welcome Jimmy Pardo. So they already know it. Yep. You show up in sweatpants. I'm sorry about the sweatpants. I literally my luggage is, I didn't get here. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. They're in on it. You're in on it. It's loose. And you can have so much fun. I have always had that um, that fear in the back of my mind. Maybe I'm not a real comedian. I think a lot of us have that. It's one of the one of the one of the things that everyone says. Every comic says backstage on a one to one basis. I'm frightened I'm not a real comedian, and I feel like the invisible man of comedy. Everyone has wow, said that. Wow, we all, me. right? Everybody has said there'll be, there'll be some psychological, you know, something bias or whatever. Um, what would you have, and you can interpret this any way you like, what would you like engraved on your comedy gravestone? On my comedy gravestone? Yeah. Uh, oh, boy, I don't, oh, God. Why, why on the spot? The brilliant, quick mind of Jimmy Pardo has come up with nothing. That'll do. That'll do. Jimmy Pardo for, couldn't come up with anything for this. That's it. That would be it. Although I just thought about this. Uh, that some like uh, like an old vaudevillian guy probably thinks it would, think it would be funny to put on his gravestone. Uh, all of that for this? Oh, that's nice. Like they would think that's the funniest thing in the world. Like they have on their grave. Like I lived all that, and this is what happened. That's very vaudevillian, right? It is. Play me out, Jimmy. Right. <laughs> all that for yeah. this. <laughs> that's me on keyboard. Um, I don't know what I want on my gravestone. It was funny. Always made me laugh. I don't know. He made me laugh. I don't know. I don't know. This is what this has reminded me half of my point. What I was trying to tease out from you was uh, this question of why. You want to be known as a good guy. You, you've got this idea that you formed as a kid of Carson, of wanting to be the, the guy, the proper – he's a proper – he's on TV. He's got a proper show. Yeah. You want when you are uh, – the, the idea of legacy, not even necessarily you as an old man, but the idea that what happens after you're gone is that people go, at Jimmy Pardo, he was always good. Yeah. I just – interested. I feel like that's the answer. That's the plug. So what's the socket? What is it that that's fulfilling? I don't know, insecurities and, and desire to be liked, right? Isn't that what it comes down to? Doesn't it come down to that from childhood and growing up of just wanting to be liked and accepted? No? So are you happy then? You said before you were busy and you were happy. Are you only happy because you're busy, because you're you're Well, I think we hole. all fall into the we, – we get depressed if we're not busy because we feel like we're not doing anything creative. We're not – nobody's taking notice, invisible man thing again. I think we, we could easily fall into that. Uh, God, I got nothing going on. I'm just, you know, now, the beauty is in this day you got a podcast and there's always something going on. You could always be creative. Um but I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I always thought it would be great to just get away from this nonsense of show business. And, you know, uh, the dream would be, you know, when I'm done with it, I'll go open up a record store and I'll be the happiest man alive. Well, luckily, the record business has gone away. So I don't even have that that fallback. So I have to just keep pushing forward. Um, and, I you know, I, I don't know. I do my best to help the young kids in comedy. I, I, I try to reach out in the way that people reached out to me. I try to. You know, you said, you know, you want to be a good guy. I try my best to do that. 
I don't know if I always succeed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just want people. I keep saying I don't know. I can't, I don't know. It's just I guess you know. It's almost the comedy version of just you want to be you want to be thought of as a good person. You know, I left this world leaving it a better place than than when I came into it. And I guess I kind of feel that way about comedy. Like I want to be one of the guys that people think of. You know, who was always great to work with and was always, always was funny, Jimmy Pardo. And I guess that's it. Thanks, man. Did I help you at all? <laughs> I liked it. It was good. All right. <laughs> I'm tempted to leave this on just while our faces relax from this kind of. Huh? Was it? Huh? <sighs> so that was Jimmy. I, I, he very kindly invited me onto his show, which hopefully I'll do if I go back out to LA same time next year uh, and be a guest on his show and a, a couple of others. I, what's the comedian's vinyl one? They invited me as well. Comedy on vinyl. Vinyl comedian moments, something I don't remember, and I know that I don't have it with me to look up. So apologies, lads. I'll try and remember that next time. Um, you can, what can you do? You can go to my website, stuartgoldsmith.co.uk. You can check out my gig diary, and you could go, why isn't there anything on this? Well, it's because I'm sorting out the fucking podcast the whole time. I have got loads of gigs, but I'm never able to put them up with the speed with which I'd like to. My new system of... Uh, of uh, uh, trying to get an hour's podcast admin done every morning, every morning of my life, and stay on top of it. Hopefully that will uh, bleed over into me updating my gig calendar. Um, but normally I like to tell you what I'm up to. Uh, if you go to comedianscomedian.com, you can see a little news widget down the right-hand side. And it is called a widget. I've been learning about WordPress. That's all for today. Uh, we should be back with you tomorrow or the next day with Dave Anthony, uh, the last of the, the four podcasts I recorded out in L.A. Uh, Dave is a really interesting guy. He is he's someone who's sort of known for being Mr. Angry and screwing up his own career. And that was happening for 20 years odd. And now he's over it. And he's much more zen. And he's got a kid. And it's a really interesting perspective. Also, he's a bit of a podcast legend, having created the podcast festival uh, and does a brilliant show called The Dollop with uh, Gareth Reynolds, which I heartily recommend. So more from him tomorrow or the next day. And uh, that's all for now. Thanks to Jimmy. Thanks to Nathan. Thanks to all the log legends that helped me log these episodes. Um, your help is much appreciated. And people keep offering their help doing that. And I've had to turn down about 10 of you who said, yeah, yeah, I'll help with logging. And I'm like, guys, I'm drowning under the weight of uh, help. So um, thank you to everyone that's done that. And uh, yes, by all means, think of a number. Just think of a number, guys. Think, oh, this episode was good. The last 140 have been great. Maybe I should donate. Maybe I should think of the number 10. Maybe 10 pounds is appropriate. Maybe 20 pounds is appropriate. Maybe I should donate a tenner a month if I'm feeling flush. I mean, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Maybe, maybe four pounds a month. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Go to comedianscomedian.com, pat me on the back with wadges of cash, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.